Not to say that, like, this isn't healthy, that people can't, like, find a lot of emotional fulfillment by making their relationship the most important thing in their lives. I think for some people that definitely works, but it is important for us to kind of, like, throw a a caveat in there or just say, like, this isn't necessarily for everyone, and that doesn't mean that you're not committed. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multiamory Podcast, we're talking about commitment. Woo! What does it mean to be in a committed relationship? We got some commitment fans here tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Is it different for monogamous and non-monogamous relationships? What does it mean to be a commitment phobe? Do you and your partner see eye to eye on things like commitment and infidelity? And also, we are going to throw at you a fun new science term because we know you love science as much as we do. And we're going to delve into the nitty gritty of what it means to be committed on today's episode. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super excited for those. This is an interesting one and a little bit of abstract for sure. Yes. I mean, well, when I hear the word commitment, normally it strikes me as this very concrete concept. But then once mm. you actually dive into the nitty gritty, then it really is like, what I don't know what the actually? hell anything is. Yeah, right. It, like it's thrown around so often. Oh, as yeah. It's like, as I mean, when I first... Um, like first was talking to my friends about being polyamorous, like Mm. commitment was a thing that came up sort of as a criticism of like, Oh, you're so you're just afraid of commitment, right? That's a common assumption. People you'll uh, maybe when you find the one, then you'll commit to them. Finally. (laughs) I don't know if y'all remember this, but one of the first emails we got to the show was about commitment. Do you remember that? It was, and it was from someone who had a Christian background asking uh, about the way they phrased it was about this idea of having a covenant in your relationship, mm. which is a very mm-hmm. biblical term. Um, like with Jesus? Because I learned about this this weekend. <laughs> well, I mean, we... Like a, a triad with Jesus. We can talk about that that's on our a, other that's show. That's a different sort of thing, um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, but, but remember, that was one of the first emails that I think I responded to and you're for like, this show. What did you say? I don't remember. Oh, probably something brilliant. <laughs> probably not, definitely. Yeah, yeah. They didn't write back because clearly they were so floored by my response <laughs> that I, I answered okay. all their questions. So. Okay. Well, I think that that, that kind of hits on something, though, of that idea of like, in some ways we associate commitment with like a promise, right? Mm. Like I committed to these plans or we, we had a commitment to meet up tonight or right. We use it in that sort of sense. What is the ring that people you have? Like a promise ring. That's the one. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Like a commitment. (laughs) Yes, That was the thing in the, in the nineties and mid two thousands that like all the tween celebrities were doing and all the tweens were doing too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was the idea of this promise ring, which is like, we're boyfriend and girlfriend, but we're intending to get married. And so we're exchanging not wedding rings, but promise rings that we're going to be together and not have sex until we're married. Wow. That's kind of what was often wrapped up in that. Right. Yeah. Right. But then mm-hmm. other times we talk about commitment more to mean like 
perseverance or something, right? Like dedication, like dedication, right? Like I'm committed to my art or Mm. like I'm committed to this podcast or I'm committed to this religion or, you know, whatever it is that it's not about like a specific promise or covenant or something, but it's like more, we use it. So so we get you, it gets used a lot of different ways. Yeah. Well, okay. Of course, as always, we um, went to the, the dictionary Various dictionaries. Which, which dictionaries? We went to Webster's and we went to Urban Dictionary because the that's classic, always fun. The classic yeah. combo. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, the Webster's Dictionary says that it is an agreement or a pledge to do something in the future, especially an engagement to assume a financial obligation at a future date. So that's not very romantic <laughs> sounding at all. Oh, my no, goodness. It's, it's not. Well, okay. I'm looking up a commitment on Urban Dictionary. So here we go. Um Oh, oh goodness. Uh, something men are frequently afraid of. Wow. Gee, that's whoa, ridiculous. Yep. Sticking with something long after the mood you have set it in has left you. Well, that's what? there's a story there. Yeah. yeah, seriously. To be loyal to an organization, person, or fan base. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. To be loyal. Okay. Yeah. But what does being loyal mean, I right? Mean, I feel yeah. like this it, like they're all these kind of ephemeral terms that we use a lot, but it's Wait, like what I'm, exactly do you mean though? Whoa, something women tend to try to say they want, but when they commit to you and you're married and have money, they dump you and you like you're a dumb shit. What? Wait, what? There's clearly a story behind that one too. Exactly. Yeah. Anyways, okay, Urban Dictionary. <laughs> okay, calm down. So yeah. Um, also, I wanted to touch on uh, that one of the articles that we looked at um, basically said that commitment is not believing that you have any other options. Like, yeah, That's... like options are like not a thing in your life anymore. Like, if you do I'm believe this that, means romantically, yeah, that's yes, what romantically. So, it, I mean, obviously, that's like a very like monogamy centric type of idea. Although we talked about this a little bit beforehand, and we were talking about like, okay, you know, what do options mean in a relationship? And even if you're non monogamous. Like, it's not like you're switching a bunch of people out all the time. Like, you can still be committed to someone and not, like, go looking for other options. Right. It's kind of like that distinction between dating multiple people and, like, maintaining multiple relationships versus dating multiple people in an attempt to, like, find the best one or find the yeah. replacement or yeah. Right, upgrade. to keep your options open in keep, case a better one comes right, along. Right, you're hedging your bets, exactly, right. in case something falls through or in case someone better comes along. Yeah. Um, I'm more taken aback by the phrasing of it of um, commitment, meaning that you believe that you have no other options. Because that sounds more dire to me. <laughs> Well, that's, this is actually something that I want to talk about a little bit later in the episode, um, but about this like commitment formula that Mm. some researchers came up with that does have to do with that, that one of the like parts of the formula is not about whether you actually have other options or not, but your perception of having other options. Mm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Let's face it. Like we live in a world of options now. Especially here That's in true. America, like you can go and have 15 different cereal options at the grocery store. Mm, we are right. certainly spoiled for choice in many regards. Well, yeah. And with Tinder or, you know, any dating profile, <laughs> like options are abundant. But yeah, it is that question of like, okay, 
you know, what do you think? Do you think you have options or do you think like, Mm. no, I'm staying with this person and being committed to them? Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, I just want to, can we just toss out there? What are our hallmark traditional markers of Mm. commitment in relationships that we all grow up with being told? Uh, Yeah. Like sexual fidelity, fidelity, marriage, Um, you know, staying with someone when they're sick. I guess, or, or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. when they lose their job or I don't know what, you know, through the, for right. better or for worse kind of right. thing. Even think, like having kids with them or getting married to them. Yeah. Yeah. A yeah. lot of relationship, relationship escalator stuff. Yeah. Um, for me, it comes to the, like, I always have memories of like having the talk, like the, the relationship defining talk or like the exclusivity oh, yeah, talk yeah, yeah. when it's like, okay, what are we doing? Are we making this an exclusive thing? Is this going to turn into, are we going to decide to commit to this relationship Yeah, right. to the exclusion of any other options, I suppose. Um, So I have a fun infographic that I want to talk to you all about. Um, Are we going to get to see it? I know. I'm like, this is good radio. We're just going to talk about it. No, I'm just going to talk about it because honestly, it's not that great of an infographic. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, So this comes from uh, what used to be one of my favorite sites, which was scienceofrelationships.com. Because it was just a big repository of just research on relationships Mm -hmm. presented in a really accessible, easy to understand kind of way. Um, uh, when doing a little bit of the research for this, I, I found that they rebranded. So scienceofrelationships.com oh. now redirects to a URL that I think is pronounced lovesy. What? Ew. L- <laughs> L-U- <clears throat> L U I can't even say it. L U V Z E loves Z, and it's still it's still the same content, still like research based relationship okay. content. Okay. Um, they've made kind of a weird logo for themselves of like like these. I don't know how to describe it. It's sexualized <laughs> shoes. It's sexualized Wait, shoes. Excuse me. That's all I can tell you. Here. Um, I'm going to tell the people about what's actually in this infographic, okay, yeah, but I'm going to send you a this. link so that the uh, two of okay. you can, can see it. Actually, if you just want to type in lovez.com, <laughs> then you can see it. L-U-V-Z-E.com <laughs> or scienceofrelationships.com and it will redirect you. Um, anyway, so... Oh, yeah, those are eroticized shoes. Right? But but check oh, it out, but, it, but they're also gender normative shoes. Yes, it's very eroticized gender normative shoes. Yeah. Um, that's all I can say. I don't know what they were thinking with this rebranding, but anyway, still got some interesting content. Oh, I um, see. I see so what's here. they pulled together an infographic where they were kind of trying to. They asked a bunch of couples essentially, "What is the ultimate sign of commitment?" Um, and. Uh, the results might surprise you of what people considered to be the ultimate signs of commitment. They found seven displays of commitment that kind of came to the top. Um, 36% of the respondents said uh, exchanging any type of jewelry. Oh, mm. okay. That was number one. That's it. Really? Uh, Easy. I guess very specifically <laughs> wow. about engagement rings, I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm, I'm sh- assuming. I'm sure it's probably not like... Probably other things too, though, like before here, the Here's a toe ring, ring or, and, and yeah. I will accept your ankle ankle bracelet or anklet or whatever it is. I don't think it was that. Um, 16% said, uh, and the, the irony being that then the next one up, 16% of people said that it was sacri- sacrifice, faithfulness, loyalty, honoring, staying together, basically. Okay. Right. Um, right. okay. Uh, the next one down, number three, 12% said uh, taking the next step. So getting married, living together, sharing the, the finances. Escalator. Yeah, of yeah number four yep. is uh, changing the last name. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, 
Wow. Or or hyphenating the name too also is considered a big sign of ultimate commitment. Um, down toward number five is the positive day to day interactions, like showing love and affection, respecting each other, being honest and trusting. Ten um, percent mm. was kind of an other catch all category. Things like getting tattoos, <laughs> uh, okay, right. honoring religious or spiritual traditions together. And then 5% uh, said a public display, such as, uh, they give two very extreme examples of public displays, posting it on social media, okay. or saying wedding vows. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Basically the same thing, really, <laughs> you know. Anyway, yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. Just, it's it's like an order that I would not have expected as far as like priority of what people think is kind of like the ultimate commitment. That it's like yeah, the wedding rings or wedding ring is first, and then it's like actual commitment, I suppose, or actually sticking together, and then it's like oh, more about getting the house and and like changing the last name, and then it's about like actually being nice to each other on a day to day basis. Yeah, right. I don't know. I think it's kind of funny. That is funny. Yeah, yeah. Another thing um, that came up in the articles that we were looking up for this is. Basically, this is this is in a quote from Vicki Larson, um, who wrote the book, uh, The New I Do, uh, was one of the co-writers of that, and also is doing some other kind of research and stuff into things like commitment. And in relationships, what what they found was that, you know, people talk a big talk about commitment and that what it means in that context was doing whatever it takes mm. to make a relationship work. Like, even if it's hard, even if it's challenging, whatever. However, if the question was, what if your partner sleeps with someone else? And it's like, I'm out. The answer is immediately. Nope. Nope. Not going to stick with that. Not going to do that. And what she said here, I just wanted to read this quote. And she said, if we're talking about honest to goodness, down and dirty, I'm committed to doing whatever it takes to make this relationship work commitment. Then shouldn't a couple that takes commitment seriously be able to work through infidelity in whatever incarnation it comes to them and keep their marriage intact? Wouldn't that be the for better or worse part of a marriage vow? And I bring this up not to say like, this is correct or that people should stick through that or whatever, but just to kind of point out that this isn't quite so simple that, that people think it's mm. like, Oh, well commitments about like really sticking with someone no matter what. But then it's like, Oh, but here's this caveat. <laughs> but the caveat is this. It's like, but yeah. actually there are boundaries and preferences and it's actually not the same for absolutely everybody in all circumstances. Yeah. Cause right. probably there are people out there who would, when push comes to shove, try to stick out and work through an infidelity. Oh, there's plenty of oh, people. Of course. Yeah. 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 But well, I, think, I, found, I think we found in some of the research, yeah. like there was a particular study where when they were interviewing people about their ideas around commitment, like they would ask, like, if I it think was it like was, a one-time thing. Yes. They're like, well, what if it's mm. a one-night stand? Yeah. They'd be like, like, well, mm, we could work well, through maybe. that. Yeah. But what about like many one-night stands? Like, Ooh, I don't yeah. know about like, basically they yeah. were like kind of teasing apart, like, oh, there's actually kind of edges oh, of course. to this commitment. Mm-hmm. And again, not that that's a good thing or that's a bad thing that it's, yeah, it's just not this kind of black and white blanket thing that we're used to thinking about it. Yeah. I think that's something that people definitely need to ask and talk about like early on. What does this mean exactly? And I hope we get into this a little more later, but, but I do want to be clear that we're not saying that that means people are somehow failing at commitment. Because if you think about it, like if commitment means sticking with it, no matter what, 
if you're with someone who's abusive or horrible to you or yeah, is making you go bankrupt by spending all of your money, like things that most people would say, yes, that's a relationship you could, you should get out of. That is by definition, not committing to the relationship. So kind of yeah. just want to point out like commitment, isn't this thing that's just inherently good mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Like it just is a thing. It's something that is important in some ways, but, but it's not just this like, Oh, if you just figure out how to do that, then everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Which a lot of the research even will start to make you think that because they're looking at these kind of narrow sets of circumstances and data where they're like, Oh, this type of commitment, that's what makes relationships happy and last longer, Mm -hmm. but it's not quite that cut and dry. Yeah. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let's talk about conceptions of commitment outside of just sexual monogamy, you know, outside of just, you know, if you agree to have sex with only me, then we're committed and and there's fidelity and then it's all okay. Um, So there's a recent study that was published in the Archive of Sexual Behavior. And I mean, quite recent, like January of 2019 of Mm. this year. Um, So uh, they did this really interesting study of a wide variety of couples, some of whom were monogamous and some of whom were consensually non-monogamous. And they introduced us to this new scientific term that I had yet to encounter in the wild, and it is sociosexuality. And so sociosexuality is the tendency to desire and enjoy having sexual relationships with many different partners. So I, um, I appreciate that they come up with this term because I think for a long time and a lot of the research we've been seeing, we're used to it being labeled as promiscuous. And even yeah. though promiscuous mm. is technically not supposed to be a charged term, it is a very charged term. <laughs> um, right, right. But yeah, so just sociosexuality. And they kind of distinguish that like there are people who are more sociosexual than others and that it lies along a spectrum. Yeah. So they found that past research usually has found that people who feel more sociosexual, that tends to be associated with lower relationship satisfaction and stability. However, a lot of that research has been done only in the context of monogamous relationships. And so it makes sense that someone who feels more sociosexual, someone who craves intimacy with lots of people, that yes, of course, they would feel less satisfied and less stable in a strict monogamous relationship that doesn't allow for that, you know, and that's just like fairly common sense. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you say the word promiscuous, I can't help but think of that song. Now. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's it's always going to be in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So moving on uh, in this specific research that they did, they asked the survey participants about, Things like attracting forces and then constraining forces in their relationships. And then they also asked about relationship quality, stability, and commitment. And then also they found that like those things are kind of dependent upon a mix of both on all of those things. Mm -hmm. So, okay, what is an attracting force? And this, they talked about attracting forces being factors that make people want to stay in a relationship. So things like feeling satisfied with the relationship or having a long-term willingness to maintain the relationship or even like seeing your partner in a highly positive light, all of those are attracting forces. Something I think that it it makes me think of like things that move you towards your partner. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And then the opposite of that are constraining forces. Yeah. 
uh, I guess not the opposite of that. That would be repelling forces. But the you know the, <laughs> Just the other another thing. <laughs> the other force toward commitment is constraining forces, and these are essentially if you think about that one's like your magnets being pulled toward each mm-hmm. other. This one's like there's some kind of container or a box around you that like you vice. that you can't get out of. Something yeah. holding you together, mm. whether you want to be or not. Uh, and so this would be things like feeling like your life would fall apart if you left or that your partners would, um, or it's external pressure from family or from your religion or from just social norms, right? It's Mm -hmm. like something outside of yourself, maybe, um, being financially dependent on this person or, um, having kids with this person, stuff like that. That's kind of like an external force keeping you together living with the person yeah Yeah, right things like that so in a nutshell it's like these attracting forces are the things that make you want like make you desire to stay in a relationship versus the constraining forces being the things that make you feel like you have to yeah like there's no option or like like it's an obligation um so the researchers found that sociosexual people who were in non-consensually non-monogamous relationships in other words they were cheating Mm. in their relationships they reported feeling less attracting forces also less constraining forces but overall lower quality of life so adding that all all up together like felt a general less sense of commitment is this regarding the person who is doing the cheating or just both or the person who's being cheated on i wonder I believe it was the person who was doing the cheating. Mm. I'm pretty sure in this example, it yeah, was. Yeah. That's was, interesting. Yeah. That yeah. yeah, they were that their finding. own quality of life is lower and that yeah. they feel less keeping them in their current relationship. Yeah. yeah. Just less of these commitment forces in general, yeah. which yeah. also makes sense. Yeah. Um, but they found that sociosexual people who were in consensually, consensually non-monogamous relationships, they experienced stronger attraction forces combined with less constraining forces at the same time. And that produced an overall sense of a higher quality of life. Um, So they came to the conclusion that, you know, this type of relationship actually made the partners more committed to each other because they wanted to be together, not because they felt like they had to be. Mm. And that's something you've brought up Dedeker before about kind of being one of your big uh, changes when you started having polyamorous relationships was this change from feeling like my partner's with me because he doesn't feel like he has a choice or because he's just kind of, he's committed. And so he's stuck. Yeah. I used, I used the word right yes. there. Switching totally. from that to, Oh, I know my partner's with me because they want to be with me because they're, they're not being limited to just that. Yes, definitely. And now with this research, again, like bear in mind that they were studying specifically people who feel sociosexual. So people who want to have, multiple sexual partnerships. Mm -hmm. I imagine that if they were studying someone who wasn't sociosexual, but who was in maybe a consensually non-monogamous relationship, maybe they would find something very different. Like maybe they'd find that person has more constraining forces where they feel like I'm not happy about this, but I feel obligated to be in this relationship or I feel scared of leaving this relationship. I mean, I feel like we've definitely seen that in real life examples, plenty, plenty of times. Um, yeah. But they didn't specifically research that population. Yeah. Well, they did. They do mention that there are many studies showing people like the ones showing people having that lower quality of life in um basically like they they pointed out in one of these articles that the studies that point out like single people having a lower quality of life. Oh, yeah. 
is only done on people who identify as wanting to have a relationship. Yeah, mm-hmm. not similarly exactly. like being in a non-monogamous relationship. If the people you're studying are ones who do want monogamous relationships, then yeah, they're, then they're gonna not going to be happy. Unhappy. So this study was just trying to point out like, hey, it kind of depends who you're testing and what you're testing for. Yeah. Also, I did look up um, sociosexual. Um, the first instance I can find of it comes from around 1991. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, but it seems like it hasn't really caught on yet, I yeah, guess, which I just, is why I'm we sure hadn't that, come across it yeah, before. Yeah, that it makes sense that it would have existed, but I just yeah, haven't really seen it in the zeitgeist, at least yeah. so far. Yeah, I guess 1990. Especially uh, for those of us who are literally every single week to find a new a yeah. new term is really amazing yeah, yeah. for us yeah okay so let's delve a little bit more into those reasons why people feel they need to stay committed in a relationship um we looked at a psychology today article that talks kind of specifically about marital commitment but i think actually all three of these can be used in consensually non-monogamous relationships in various ways. And we touched on a couple of them in the previous section, but um, the first one is going to be that external or moral commitment. So this kind of like, to me, is like the optics section. Like, what does it look like and what do you want to kind of like show to the world about Mm. your commitment. And Mm. that kind of is the thing on your mind in the reasoning why you're choosing to stay committed to someone. It seems like that would count as like one of those constraining factors. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's totally that. It's kind of external pressure. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've talked about this before, but when I was in China over the winter time, I was around a couple of very religious people and they talked about one of them was going through a divorce and his wife was divorcing him, but he said, you know, even though I was in a loveless marriage, I would have still never divorced my wife. I would have stayed in this relationship because I'm religious and, you know, I don't believe in divorce. Mm. And that definitely feels like a commitment that is like a moral commitment. Like, I don't believe in this. God doesn't believe in this. And so I'm going to stay with this person whether I want to or not. Um, So, yeah. And I think even in consensually non-monogamous relationships, like what if you are staying with your partner because you know, your parents wouldn't approve of you guys divorcing, even Mm. if you are no longer maybe in love with that person or Mm. even just want to change the structure of your relationship because you're now consensually non-monogamous and you don't want to be in like a hierarchical type of relationship, but you feel morally or, you know, externally obligated to stay in that same type of structure with that person. Right. And I think that that external pressure can also come from our peer group. Oh, absolutely. Intentionally, Mm -hmm. unintentionally, regardless of your relationship format, that sometimes you can feel like, because I'm connected to this particular community of people, like I feel like I need to stay in this particular relationship. Yeah, Mm. yeah, definitely. So that can definitely, I think, uh, be just another one of those factors, one of those constraining factors. Yeah. So the next category that they had here is also, I would say, falls into that um, external constraining constraining forces. So it's basically like two of these work in constraining forces. And this one is practical or structural commitment. Mm -hmm. So this is like I mentioned before, the like, let's stay together for the kids Mm -hmm. Um, or something like our lives are just very entangled. Like we have shared cell phones and bills and a a mortgage or, or rent or a pet or whatever it is that's just sort of 
practically speaking, it's like, well, we should stay together for those things. Or like you love each other's, you know, your in-laws or something, like the mm-hmm. families. Yeah, that's a good one, too. It's difficult yeah. to want to say goodbye to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't want to, I don't necessarily want to paint that with a super negative brush. Yeah. Because it's like, if you have practical and structural commitments, like, I think that's fine. You know, I think especially if you're able to acknowledge that and see them for what they are, like, mm-hmm. I think that's totally fine. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but anyway, just that it is another kind of different flavor. So rather than just being like, everything's just an external force holding you together, this kind of separates it from the like truly external and moral to the more practical structural things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so this last category, I think starts to lead into this sense of those, um, like attracting forces of commitment and that's the personal commitment. Um, is the type of commitment when two people are emotionally committed to each other and they find the relationship to be the most important things in their lives. And I think that phrasing is interesting because it doesn't say they make the relationship the most important thing in their lives. It's like Mm. they find that the relationship is the most important thing in their lives. I don't know if there's something there or not, but I thought that's interesting. Um, They're not afraid to employ good communication, compromise and make sacrifices for their partner or the relationship. This includes the idea that the couple is a team rather than just individuals looking out for themselves. And Um, yeah, in that, um, gosh, what was that book on the attachment theories, um, wired for love. mm. They talked about this a lot, like the team aspect and like Mm. making your relationship into the most important thing in your life, which again, if someone is in, in my opinion, like a, um, what a relationship anarchist mm. structure. I don't know that they would ever say like one relationship is the most important thing in their lives. I don't even know if like you two would say that like your relationship with each other or any specific relationship that you have is the most important thing in your life. So I, this one kind of is a little, I, I don't know, like necessarily Honestly, I don't, if I, don't I even agree know, with it. I don't even know what is the most important thing in my well, life. Cause it's like, yeah. when I really get down to it, I'm like, well, it, it's a, it's surviving. A bunch of, <laughs> I mean, um, sure. But it's like a bunch of things <laughs> together almost. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Well, I, I feel like culturally we very much romanticize the idea of being single minded about something. Yeah. And it right. doesn't, it doesn't like, like, okay, in, in relationship movies, it is the relationship. Yeah. It's like the rest of my life is going to fall apart or other things I wanted to do, I'm going to give up or other like personality traits of mine. I'm going to figure out how to change yeah. for the sake of this thing that matters more than anything else. Yeah. But we also romanticize this in terms of uh, professional things too. Yeah, the idea of true. like, I'm just going to, you know, everything else be damned. I'm going to focus on this thing that I want to do. Yeah. Or we talk about it with, uh, you know, like humanitarian efforts or something. You know, we look at people like... Or with like stuff you do with your own health, like dieting or oh, sure. yeah, yeah. working out or whatever, which also comes with its own kind of tangled and messed right. up things about how we need to feel about our bodies and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and I mean, not to say that like this isn't healthy, that people can't like find a lot of emotional fulfillment by making their relationship the most important thing in their lives. I think for some people that definitely works, but it is important for us to kind of like throw a a caveat in there or just say like, this isn't necessarily for everyone. And that doesn't mean that you're not committed. Yeah. That's a good way to say that. Yeah, I think that I would, I would even take it a step further than Emily. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I would argue that the vast majority of people, are better off 
not trying to find just one thing that that's the only thing that matters in my life. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that you need to be polyamorous that, you know, you could just have one relationship and that can be very important to you. But to, to get obsessed with this idea of something has to be the most important or like the only important thing to me, I feel like that's actually sort of an over romanticization of this idea of this like single mindedness um, yeah. that I actually think for most people is not realistic and well, not healthy and, and it could setting create, yourself like, up for failure. Yeah. Unbalanced and unhappiness in mm-hmm. a relationship potentially. I don't know. It, it, it can be challenging. And like maybe if two people are monogamous and do it together in like a really structured way, that's not hurting the hopes and dreams of either person in any Mm. way, then maybe it can be done well. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Well, that's, I don't know. That's always, that's always the balance that you're trying to strike is, is it's like, what's the healthy amount of investment into this relationship that it needs to keep going to make sure that we both feel good and fulfilled versus what is just like depleting myself and losing myself to trying to maintain a relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And guess what? We got no blanket statements. If you came here for blanket statements here at (laughs) Multiamory, you're going to be disappointed. No, but like hopefully all y'all out there are thinking about this a little bit and being like, hey, like what is an important thing in my life? Does Mm -hmm. something need to be the most important to make it, you know, important enough or committed enough? I don't Mm -hmm. know. And it doesn't have to be the same as the people around you necessarily. And it doesn't have to be the same for all of your life. That's true. Yeah. It can change. All righty. Now we're going to get into the juicy, woosy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, what's, I'm, what's I'm talking about a, a commitment phobia. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think that this is the thing that a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be with a commitment phobe. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I love so-and-so, but they're definitely kind of a commitment phobe. So I'm worried that like, they're never going to pop the question. We found, we found a lot of articles to that effect, yeah. right? No, totally. <laughs> like 10 signs that your significant other might be a commitment phobe. Right. That sort of stuff. Yeah. But it said stuff like, you know, oh, they're promiscuous or, oh, they never like, you know, make a, a um, date like a week in advance. They always do it on the day. And that means they're a commitment phobe. Anyways, right, like they show up late to things or yeah, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it gets a very bad rap, but I think perhaps it's a little misunderstood because I think probably also those si- sapiosexual, no, no, sociosexual. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people who are in that category could probably be thought of as a commitment phobe. Well, I mean, well, sure. Yeah, sure. By by certain, by certain rubrics, of course. Um, I just don't think it's a binary. 
like I no, just don't I think it's you. either you love commitment or you're afraid of it. Like it's never that black and white, you know. I yeah. think I think it's quite possible that yes, you could be afraid of commitment in certain arenas. I've definitely experienced that, you know. Um and of course, yeah, you probably could be afraid of commitment in a wide variety of arenas, but I, I but I always feel like it's on a spectrum and it mm-hmm. depends on your circumstances and, and your time of life and what trauma you have. Like I don't feel it really falls along these very harsh lines of like either you're commitment phobic or your commitment what enjoying commitment seeking commitment, <laughs> commitment yeah commitment fucking loving i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess commitment philic commitment philic the oh, opposite uh, commitment amorous yeah uh, yeah <laughs> Let's throw Amory in there yet One again. One of those Kamiamorys. Whoa. What? Oh, I see. Commitment, not Kamiamorys. Kami. So 40 yeah. years ago, you would have gotten thrown in jail for no. saying Kami. No. Yeah. Oh, man. 40 years ago was the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I Just guess. So you know. 50 years ago? <laughs> 50 years ago was the 70s. Uh, yeah. Wasn't it? Was it? When was it? The 40s and 50s. McCarth- well, you're talking about McCarthyism. Yeah. It was the 40s and 50s? Maybe getting into the 60s. I thought it was like... I'm sorry, Emily. I did not research this for this episode because I didn't think that we'd be talking about it's it. You're the one who brought up commiphobia. I mean, commiphilia. Uh, okay, it's commie-amory. specifically 1950 to 1954 there. There's your little okay. bit piece wow, of trivia for the day. It's not very long. Great. Okay. Yeah. 65 right. years ago. Okay, so so to go back Thank to this, this commitment phobia thing... Um, this is something that's actually hard to find any good anything about. Any good research is what I mean, or any good, like thoughtful writing about it. Uh, you know, we found some things like there was one that's like 15 myths about commitment phobes yeah. um, that actually I thought was, was pretty good. Um, but something, one of the quotes that came up in looking into this here is from a marriage and family therapist in New York named Racine Henry said, I think it can be embarrassing to say, I don't want a commitment. I don't know if there's space in our relationship mm. models to say that. I think there are a lot of ways to have a relationship and a lot of people who don't need to be in a relationship. Yeah. Thank you, Racine. And I think that, that what this got me started down was this idea of by calling it commitment phobia, there's this implication that wanting commitment and generally this means a particular type of commitment. Yeah. And as we talked about before, commitment's a broad thing. There's this idea that wanting that type of commitment is normal. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't want that particular thing, then you're commitment phobic, right? You have a phobia, you must have this fear. And then we also tend to associate it with trauma or having, you know, yeah, less than bad good attachment styles exactly or you don't love people or there's like a lot of judgment put on or you it. just want to have a lot of sex or something You're like that right. Miss you, Miss girl. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah commitment phobic girl sociosexual girl oh i like that that's good oh, yeah. yeah let's yeah, write that yeah. way I'll write that song yeah yeah um but what i thought was interesting about this in the article talking about um like myths about commitment phobes mm-hmm. is it was talking about this idea of that like kind of looking at you could see someone who's like, Oh, they're, they're not committing to you in a certain way and go like, Oh, they're a commitment phobe. But if you looked at it a different way and you said that this person knows that either that's not something that they want, or it's not something that for other reasons they are capable of giving you yeah, that actually by not committing to that thing, they're being more caring and more honest and more genuine with you than someone who 
kind of falls into the idea that like, oh, well, we, we all want commitment. We all want this type of commitment. I'm going to commit to that because that's what I should want and then fails at it and yeah. then fails to follow through on that commitment. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I think that is a really interesting observation that this person made about there just not being space in our relationship models to actually say that to someone, you know, to even right. say, I don't want a commitment in this particular arena or I don't want a commitment that looks this particular way. Because, yeah, because I think it is just so we're just so used to it. Yeah. Being this black and white thing of like, ah, commitment phobic, you know, your problem, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then on the flip side, I think that we can have something like commitment addiction. This is that commiphilia. <laughs> the commiphilia. The commiphilia. <laughs> what do I, yeah. Uh, <gasps> what is it? The monogamy thing? Which, which monogamy when you thing? like when you like jump from monogamous relationships oh, like serial overlapping monogamy yeah it's not always like overlapping serial but, yes, commitment serial commitment um yeah yeah so we can have commitment addiction uh also known as love addiction or also otherwise known as staying in a shitty relationship yeah <laughs> regardless of you know against your better judgment mm-hmm. yeah I mean, yeah, I think it is interesting because I, I do believe we have really romanticized and sometimes fetishized more traditional forms of commitment. Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, there is this idea of like, well, the problem is just you just need to be more more committed, more committed, more committed, more committed. And that's going to solve your problem. Yeah, or somehow. try harder, like work yes. more, give up more, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, and there's definitely this sense of like you know, or, or you need to sacrifice more or you Mm -hmm. need to, again, I think that all ties into this narrative of, you know, if you just work hard enough, then it's going to be okay. You know, regardless Mm -hmm. of the fact that no amount of work can save you from a shitty partner, um, or, or an abusive relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people out there are really taught like throughout their life that they're not going to be fully happy or fully realized as a person or they're not going to be whole. (laughs) Gosh, yes, that was it. Like that wedding that I went to was talking a lot about like becoming whole with another person. Mm. Yeah. Now we are whole kind of thing. And God is in there too. But yeah. (laughs) God's in that hole too. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like... That if you are not in a committed relationship, you won't be happy. And I think about my mom with this because I know that, like, growing up, she tried to find a husband and or a father for me because she was worried that, like, that conventional model would not, without it, I wouldn't be happy and she wouldn't be happy. But, like, her personal truth so much now and has been for, I think, you know, the last... 20 years of my life and her life has been like I am happier much much Mm. happier being alone and in reading this article that this comes from I think that yeah that's that's very apparent Mm. um, that a lot of people out there are actually much happier being alone and they thrive like they don't want what she says is that she doesn't want anyone coming in and like messing up her life and like messing up her day to day (laughs) and telling her what to do or that she has to like you know, make decisions based on what somebody else wants. Mm. And I think, Hey, if that's your fucking truth, live it, man. And like, don't let anybody tell you that that's not okay. I, uh, 
sent Dedeker a gif yesterday when we were talking about some other things that yeah. said, uh, a date is an experience you have with another person that makes you appreciate being alone yeah. from, the, from Larry David, I think. Oh, God. Uh, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I have had many dates where I felt that way afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I will I say, that. but I think, I think this is interesting. Like we mentioned before about studies about like single people being unhappy yeah. is studies of people who are not, intentionally single right who wish that they weren't yeah um and i'd actually i would bet that even amongst the, those people a lot of that probably comes from the social pressure to not be oh, single yeah yeah Definitely. like the old maid idea mm-hmm. or like yeah. that you're gonna die alone idea yeah. and like how frightening that is to some people and i, I think that like this in talking about relationship anarchy, mm-hmm. like Emily, you started yeah. kind of mentioning it before yeah. that I think a lot of people can look at that and say, Oh, it's for people who are afraid of commitment. Um, and again, calling it afraid, mm-hmm. right? Like the mm-hmm. phobia, it's, it's just like, it's a fear, this, yeah. like, Oh, well you, you have to be afraid of it or else you would want it. Yeah. Like there's not commitment neutrality. Or Basically maybe, every episode is going to come down to, to neutrality. Just, just be neutral. <laughs> just <laughs> be freaking milk toast about everything. I mean, uh, some people like literally just like don't want it. It's not that they're afraid of it. It's like, this is not what I want for my life. Yeah. And that's fine. That's uh, okay too. Another thing that came up in that, yeah. in that article about myths about commitment phobes was this myth that commitment phobes won't ever make plans with you mm. or that they won't stick to plans that they make. Yeah. And like a lot of the other articles we read did say essentially exactly that. Yeah. They're like, that means they're a commitment phobe. Right. This is a sign. Right. And I think that it's, it's like we mentioned at the beginning, commitment means a lot of different things Yeah, and committing to certain things has a lot of different meanings. Like is commitment the making of the promises or is commitment the keeping the promises or is commitment more of a dedication to something rather than the, you know, and it's, it's obviously all of these things, but when we just talk about commitment as in like, Oh, this person wants commitment or doesn't, we're really selling ourselves short from the fact that this is a, there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. Right. This idea that, um, maybe this person just doesn't want the same type of commitment that you do mm-hmm. or that someone else does, or that we think is normal commitment to want. Um, or they may really want commitment. It's just not with you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, mm, maybe yep. they're just, they're uh, just not don't that to say that to they're you. They're just not oh, that boy. Uh, Well, if you want to, if you want to yeah. hear something interesting, um, I do. Yes. I always want to hear Please. interesting oh, things. Great. Uh, the term commitment phobia has oh. actually been in a decline in usage, according uh, to Google Trends. Well, that's oh, good. However, okay. what do we got? the term commitment issues has been in an increase in usage <laughs> of course. since 2004. Okay. I, would, I would bet that just issues in general, mm. in, in that usage this of it. This person's got issues. Right. Yeah. yeah. We have relationship issues. We have commitment issues. Yes. I bet that usage is they probably... They have a commitment issue. Yeah. <laughs> right. Got to have the hand gesture. Yeah, definitely. There. But it, it does make me want to, like, it does make me curious to know, like, okay, was it something in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s? What was, like, the pop psychology influencer? Mm, that got issues to be yeah, a thing. Or, or no, that got commitment phobia. Oh, that phobia. got commitment phobia. I see. Phobia. Yeah. And then what was the thing that got issues to be a thing? Like, right. those are the things that I'm curious about. Yeah. I don't know. But well, that'll be for circus. our multi trend. 
trendery, multi trendery, multi trendery, multi etymology. Oh yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah. I, I would be into that show. Yeah, actually, that'd be a super cool show. All right, gang. <laughs> what are our takeaways? Is there anything, any kind of practical knowledge we've gleaned yeah. from? Sure. Thinking about and talking about commitment today. That's ironic because you sound very non-committal in that response. <laughs> yeah, maybe like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> probably one or two, right. possibly. Uh, what do we got? So, so I guess I'll pose the question first that we can talk about some actual like takeaways and things you can do about this. Uh, so the question here is, um, that okay, basically in a lot of these studies, this being willing to sacrifice for the sake of a relationship and to compromise has been shown to be effective for relationships lasting longer and supposedly being happier. But as we pointed out before, where do you draw the line on what's too much sacrifice, Mm. right? Like when am I crossing the line into actually I'm just staying in a situation that makes me unhappy Mm -hmm. or I'm with someone I'm not compatible with. Right. So it seems like asking yourself those kind of tough questions of how much sacrifice is too much sacrifice. Yeah. You know, how much sacrifice is starting to deplete me and what I need versus versus getting you know positive gains for the relationship yeah and then also to kind of build on that like check in about your own boundaries and really evaluate like what they are why they are there and it for example i mean even like do you think that infidelity well this is what the next one is too but like what is infidelity what are your boundaries surrounding infidelity do you think that infidelity is like your partner watching porn do you think it's like you know casual flirtation with a coworker, do you think that infidelity is, you know, a kiss on the mouth or just like a sexual act? Like what do those things mean to you? Or is sexual fidelity only if they lie to you about the fact that they did it with mm. someone else, right? Like there's a huge, huge spectrum, spectrum here. Yeah. 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 And I think related to that, also discussing what commitment or breaches of commitment look like for you personally and for your relationship or your relationships. Um, Jason and I just had a conversation about this based on kind of a Gottman exercise slash experiment that we're doing that we can tell you all about about later in a few weeks. Um, But was like really examining, like, how do I know that this person is committed to this relationship? Mm. Like, what are the markers of commitment? Um, And counter to that, that kind of gives you some clues of like, well, what would be the markers of a lack of commitment? Um, as an example for me, like I realized like, oh, well, in my relationship with Jason, also in my relationship with Alex, it's little things like we consistently do radars all the time, mm. or we consistently talk about like our meta communication, or everyone's proactive about making sure that we're, we're spending time together, you know, things like that, um, that those are kind of like the markers of commitment that I feel. And so by extension, like breaches of commitment would be like dropping the ball on those kind of things or someone not following through with what they said that they would do, things like that. So have those conversations both with yourself and with your partners about what are, you know, what are the things that count as commitment to us versus what are not. Um, And so again, from the Gottmans, uh, (laughs) who we talk about often on the oldie Gottmans, um, (laughs) They have this great quote in one of their newest books that says, true commitment means choosing each other over and over again, because ultimately what makes relationships work is the decision to make them work. And I think the the little parenthetical I would add at the end is ultimately what makes relationships work is the decision from both parties to make it work. Yeah. 
Um, that that isn't. I feel like right. you're both not choosing. It's to not be a with unilateral it thing, yeah. right. and it's not that like if you just choose to make it work hard enough, then it'll all come through. Yeah. Right. Right. That that I, I feel like at least for me, like in examining kind of my my boundaries and my preferences for that question of like where is my line mm-hmm. on like how much is too much sacrificing for a relationship. I feel like it would come down to that. Where if I felt like things were becoming one sided. Uh, or if things, you know, were systemically one-sided mm-hmm. where like that other person wasn't putting the same amount of, of commitment into it, you know, whatever we decided that meant, um, or that same amount of like deciding to make this work rather than, you know, pulling away or focusing on the problems or yeah. whatever it Keeping is. Keeping score, right? stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So our, I guess our last takeaway here is that commitment can be an incredibly important part of building a solid relationship, but it's also not going to be this magic bullet that just makes your relationship solid. Mm. Yeah. I think I see that with a lot of people where the relationships on the rocks and kind of the last ditch thing they do is let's get married. Um, Right. Let's show how much commitment we have. Yes. Like let's just kind of try to re up the commitment and maybe that's going to be the thing that carries us through. Yeah. I'm sure for some people out there, they have that story that that was the thing that did help and that's great. However, anecdotally, I've seen that go horribly off the rails way more often than it has (laughs) been, you know, the thing that's actually saves a relationship. Um, So again, commitment itself is this very important thing, but it's not going to be the only thing. That's going to turn be all. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Well, what a thrilling ride we just went on <laughs> <Yeah>. with McCarthyism <laughs> popped in there unexpectedly. And uh, wow, learned so much today. So uh, we would love to hear your thoughts about commitment. What counts as commitment to you? What counts as a breach of commitment to mm. you? What counts as infidelity or not to you? What are the things that you look for in a relationship or what kind of commitments do you tend to look for in your life or do you not look for it at all? The best place to share your thoughts with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and you can join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 678-M-U-L-T-I-05. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistant and researcher for this episode is Nicole Samra. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. Full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.